chapter 15. And we're on paragraph 138.1. And the subtitle is In Heaven, All is Purity and Peace. All In Heaven, All is Purity and Peace, paragraph 138.1. So we've been learning a lot about what heaven's going to be like. Of course, this is just um, as much as God has revealed to us, as well as what we can try to think of on our own. But as we already know, what we can think of is nothing compared to what it will really be like. So through the servant of the Lord's writings, we can learn a little bit more about what heaven would truly be like. At this time, we're going to um, have a word of prayer for, to open the class. Lakita, would you offer prayer? Okay, let's bow our heads for prayer. <clears throat> Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are so grateful that once again we can open uh, your word and understand more about heaven. Um, these words were written so that we can learn about heaven. Lord, we ask uh, that you be with us, help us to be inspired and in awe by uh, what you have prepared for us. Help us to claim that which you have already given us, salvation and, and eternal life through your son, Jesus. We ask for understanding, clarity. We ask that our minds will be stayed upon our lessons and give us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, man. Man. <clears throat> okay. As you can see, we're outside enjoying the nice weather while we can. It's always good to enjoy nature, especially as we're reading from God's word to remind us that he is the creator of all these beautiful things that we have on this planet. Uh, on the paragraph, it says, in heaven, all is purity and peace. Is that any different from what we have down here on earth? Yeah. Yes. You can see. That's a lot different because there's no purity and there's no peace on earth. <laughs> Yes, yeah, the opposite, isn't it? Now, sometimes we have some peace on earth, but you know, it's just fleeting. But in heaven, it's going to be eternal peace, which would be so wonderful. We won't even know how to act, I imagine. And how do we make sure that heaven is our home? By following God, doing what he tells us, obeying God, loving our brothers as ourselves and sisters. Okay, anybody else? How do we make heaven our home? Claiming it, trusting and believing and being obedient. Okay, and if uh, first sentence it says, through Christ alone, can you make sure of heaven, where all is purity, holiness, peace, and blessedness, where there are glories that mortal lips can't even describe. So it's kind of nice we can read about heaven and think about what it would be like, but there's no way we can really know for sure until we get there. I'll tell you one thing I thought was very interesting back when we had that last eclipse and uh, we were looking at the eclipse and it was just really apparent to me that we're, this planet is not out here by itself because the planets and the sun and the moon looked so close. It was like you could touch them. And it just made it apparent that we're not the only planet out here. We're not the only universes out here and that there are other worlds and other beings who are keeping an eye on what's going on here. And it's just amazing uh, what God has planned for us when we get to heaven and the earth made new. Uh, one of the things it says in the next paragraph, which I thought was interesting, there's no tree of knowledge in the new earth. Now, we read last time that the Garden of Eden would come here and the tree of knowledge was in the Garden of Eden. Why won't the tree of knowledge be in the earth made new? Anybody read? Well, it goes it goes on to say that 
that tree won't be necessary because we won't have no opportunities to be tempted. Our hmm. character will be like God. Amazing. So there'll be no need for a test. There'll be right. no temptation, no possibility of wrong. Not because we're robots, but because every character has withstood the test of evil and no longer susceptible, like Patsy was saying. We're no longer susceptible to even want to sin or want to do evil. Because Satan will be destroyed. There's not going to be any temptation to sin. Yeah. So it's amazing. You know, now we're just surrounded by temptation, uh, constant temptation, because that's the devil's trick to get us to lose out on heaven and to neglect God's love, but there won't be any temptation. We won't even be tempted by it. You know, a lot of people are tempted, uh, just say, tempted to climb a uh, cliff. I'm not tempted to do that. <laughs> That's one temptation that doesn't bother me. You know, some people are tempted to swim across the Atlantic Ocean. I'm not tempted to do that. But there are temptations that I do have, and there's each of us is different. So at that time, nothing's going to tempt us anymore because we'll all have been through it and we'll know the results of falling to temptation. So what you might think is a temptation to you might not be a temptation to others. And what tempts others might not be a temptation to you. So we should always be uh, aware of that. Uh, how does that make you feel realizing that other people might be tempted by things that you aren't and vice versa? How do you feel when you see someone who is Falling into temptation. Any thoughts? Well, I'm just glad people be praying for me because this week was the first week in a long time I went into Sam. And yes, I saw them cheesecakes and they done moved them close <laughs> to the front. I was like, uh-uh, somebody praying for me. Just get what you came to get and get about it. <laughs> so, you know, I just say, I say, I just, you know, I know people praying for me. And I said, and I'm doing the same for, you know, those that, you know, like, you know, and I, I got a thing with cigarette smoke. When I get around people, I have to start praying because it makes me sick. But I'm like, please don't do that in my mind. You know, I want to see, I want to see you living. And everybody that smokes don't get cancer, but in my mind, that's where, you know, because my sister died with lung cancer. But I start praying when I see people with them cigarettes and stuff, but I said, I know this week somebody was praying, Patsy, don't go in there and buy that cake. Don't buy that cheesecake. They moved them up front just for you. <laughs> yeah, that, that, the, the devil know what, what, what I was tempted with. That's true. He knows what we fall for. And he's always finding a way to put it right in front of us. But praise the Lord, you have people praying for you. Yeah. And also, you know, was there any other thoughts on how we should treat other people who fall to temptation? With kindness and mercy. Right. I don't think we should ever should criticize them. We just should pray for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, maybe they fall for that temptation, but you don't. And it'd be kind of easy to say, you know, you shouldn't be falling to smoking and drinking because it doesn't tempt you. But it's a serious thing for other people. So I get like you were saying, don't condemn people. Don't try and chastise people and think that you got something over them because that is not true. And it's only by the grace of God that any of us are able to uh, withstand temptation. OK. Uh, next Paragraph, hold on, let's see. Lakita, can you read the no next C. paragraph? That's my phone down there. Okay, no C, the C divides, friends. 
Okay, my phone then ran out of energy for some reason. <laughs> okay, it talks about on paragraph 138.3, uh, there is no C. Uh, when you read that paragraph, what did you think about that? Well, I'm going to be honest. I was kind of sad because I like seeing water and beautiful, you know, seas. And I'm a, I like to fish, so you know I like seeing water. Oh, you like fishing, Patsy? I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Okay. I thought Anybody about else? I thought about the fact that the, the Lord used the sea and the waters of the sea to destroy the earth the first time around. And hmm. since he promised that he won't destroy the earth by water anymore. Um, and also because there's going to be a number that no man can number standing on the sea of glass. So we're going to need that that because the sea takes up two thirds of the earth. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're going to need mm -hmm. that for the saints to yeah. live. Hmm. Now, Patsy, we'll still have beautiful streams and lakes. It just won't be no seas. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That was a good point, Karen. You know, I'm like you too, Patsy. I like water. I like the ocean. I like waves. You know, I probably yeah, could enjoy living next to an ocean, but there won't be won't be any in the new earth. Yeah, because I can remember when I was in the Marine Corps and they took us ROTC cadets and we went um, and we got to, you know, we traveled and we got to see the Pacific Ocean. And every time I think about when, you know, it, like Karen said, God needs that land, you know, it's going to close up some of that water so, you know, we can be there. But I always said, I just looking at the Pacific Ocean, it was so beautiful. It is. It's nice. She uh, even mentions, says, thank God, this Sister White says, and thank God in the earth made new, there'll be no fierce torrents, no engulfing ocean, no restless murmuring waves. And that is a way that you can look at it, especially if it's a storm going, the ocean can be very dangerous, you know, and the waves get well, really huge. Saying, Go ahead, Paul. Storms are danger. So it just mm -hmm. seems like, because I was looking forward to learning about those creatures that are so deep in the sea that, like, even currently we can't explore. You know, I thought, I was like, oh, I can't wait to learn all that stuff. Now it won't exist. Yeah, but you can still learn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty more we're going to learn about. And uh, the sea wasn't here until the flood, right? Right. I, mean, I thought that was in the beginning of the beginning of the Earth's creation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he said he made the season all that there is. Yeah. So it was that trick question. <laughs> no, I was trying to get my phone back from the key. Okay, one thirty nine point one. What else is we not, are we not going to see? No tears and no funerals. Hmm, that'd be a blessing. How come it won't yes, be any funeral? Nobody's gonna die. Gonna die. <laughs> Nothing's gonna die in a new land. Yeah, that's gonna be amazing. Uh, okay. And you yeah, know, I, as I as I look out, I said I noticed, you know, from season to season, especially, you know, when autumn comes and you see all those beautiful leaves and then everything starts dying off, so it gets ready for the winter. I said just being in a new earth and not having to see anything die I, I just don't know I'm just gonna be so excited 
Yeah. Going to be pretty amazing. Right now, people are um, really upset because they had to miss some of their loved ones' funerals because of COVID. But in heaven, we're not going to miss funerals at all. We'll be happy not to have a funeral. So Amen. There will be a difference. And right, right now, it is kind of sad that you missed out on someone's funeral, but won't have to worry about that. Thank goodness. And then it says, uh, see in the next paragraph, let the afflictions which pain us so grievously become instructive lessons, teaching us to press for forward toward the mark of the prize of our high calling in Christ. How can we let affliction and pain be a lesson to us? Well, we you know, if we're going to be children of, uh, if we're going to be children of Christ, Christ had pain down here, and He had to suffer. So, and, and I guess my brother used to used to laugh at us after we come from church. He say, "No gain, no pain." But as I grow older, I'm like, you have to be willing to suffer for Christ, just like He suffered for you. You can't have all good times. You don't want none of the bad. It comes together. And that's what grows your faith. Can you withstand even when it's not good times? Okay. Anyone else? Thoughts on how can uh, suffering and pain be a, be a lesson for us? Well, it should be a big lesson if we don't want to return to um, death and sickness and um, sadness, you know, that just remembering that, looking at what happened to Jesus' uh, hands, and I mean, with the nail prints in his hands, and um, should be a lesson to us on what would happen if we decided, if we even thought we might want to, um, we want to sin again. Okay. Anyone else would have comment on that about pain, no pain, no gain, as Patsy said. <laughs> it says, let us be encouraged by the thought that the Lord is soon to come. Let this hope gladden our hearts. You know, you can always remember that when you're going through a tough time, uh, problems, issues, creditors after you, people at work hate you or whatever, anything like that. Just remember that Jesus is soon to return. And he's going to bring total peace and joy and happiness to all of us. So you can make it through there is what I'm saying. We can all make it through. And everything on this world is just temporary, right? So if you're going through trouble, just keep going. What about uh, paragraph 139? It says at the bottom of 139.3, it says, those whose lives have been hidden with Christ, those who on this earth have fought a good fight of faith will shine forth with the Redeemer's glory in the kingdom of God. So when we are uh, again talking about learning through suffering and pain, as we continue to fight for the Lord, continue to uh, keep our faith strong, then when we get to heaven, we'll say, hey, heaven was cheap enough because it's little, it'll be considered a momentary problem or a small insignificant th thing that happened to us here on this planet you know but right now it seems big but when we get to heaven there ain't nothing go gonna be compared to it right 
Amen. Can you think of something you don't have to tell us? Can you think of something that you went through that you never thought you would make it out of or a problem that you had you thought would never be resolved or something that just made you feel so hopeless that you just couldn't survive it? It was an illness I went through. And it's been four years ago, but now I'm whole and sound. I'm like, wow. Amen. 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 What a difference a day makes, right? Yep. And in and our for lesson, me, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Patsy. For me, it was, when my mo- it was when my mother passed away. I just that was my best friend, and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to survive this. Hmm. Yeah, I dread that. I dread that time. I don't know if I. You have no choice but to keep going, but I don't know if I'd ever be the same. Yeah, it's definitely going to affect you when something like that happens in your life. Uh, but again, it says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the moment, in the morning. Not necessarily literally the next morning, but you will get over it sooner or later. And then you can experience happiness again. Remember our lesson this morning, Sabbath school talked about Elijah and <laughs> telling the Lord he can't handle it. He'd rather be dead. But the Lord yep. knew better. God knew better and he spared his life and kept because he had him something else for Elijah to do. So same with each of us. We go through trial and tribulation. Some things we just swear we just can't handle it. But God is able to bring us through that. And again, the sun starts shining after the rain clouds have gone. Uh, one Paragraph 140 says there's something else won't be going on in heaven. What is that? No marriages or birth. Yeah, no marriages or birth. Uh, remember the parable of the man who died? He had five wives and they asked whose husband would he be in heaven? Whose wife would you be? She yeah, did. you remember that? And what did the Lord say? He said, you don't understand the power of God. You don't understand the scriptures. <laughs> there will be no marriages or giving in marriage. Yeah. So a husband and well, wife, you'll well, be husband and wife. Okay, I'm sorry. I think he said it will be no giving in marriage. He says, so no. there would still be husband and wives? No. There's not going to be any husbands and wives. No, it says we'll be like the angels. You don't get married. You don't have husband or wife. No, I'm talking about if a husband and wife die on earth and they meet together in their family. Are they still husband and wife? No, because death breaks the marriage bond. Okay. But, but I do have a question about the ones that are both living when Jesus comes and they're married. Is he going to divorce them in heaven? I'm thinking about the church being the bridegroom, the bride, right? God's bride. And if we're the bride, because the church is us, then there's not going to be a husband or wife. Because Christ and God is going to be our, our spouse. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, look, let's look at the last paragraph, the last sentence in the paragraph. Someone want to read that last sentence? The last paragraph of 140.1. 
In terms of the whole the paragraph, last, you want the last, last sentence? No, the last two sentences where it says, it's Neither, those, neither, those neither. Who, okay, go ahead, pass. Neither those who will be shall be raised from the dead, nor those that shall be translated without seeing death for marry or be given in marriage. They will be as the angels of God, members of the royal family. Yeah, so there won't be any marriage at all. Nobody's going to be married in heaven. You know, if you think about why marriage was given was because Adam said he was lonely and he was he was feeling alone and he needed because all the animals had their friends. He didn't have a friend. Okay, so me being the person that I am, when you uh -huh. read that, it says two things, but a third thing it does not say. It says, neither those who shall be raised from the dead, because we know that the death breaks the marriage bond, nor those who shall be translated without seeing death will marry or be given in marriage. That says nobody, there's not going to be any marriages performed in heaven. To me, that still doesn't address the ones who are translated and they are already married. Well, I, I think have not seen that. I think the principle is that there will be no one married. It says we'll be like the angels of God. The angels aren't married at all. So I think well, we'll all just be says, members of the family. Says those two categories will not be married. It doesn't say the third category. So what is God going to do? Divorce people on the way to heaven? Well, I think that uh, when he comes and makes the earth made new, I think at some point the marriage will be dissolved. You won't be married anymore. It says so we'll he'll be divorce like people. So he divorced people. And God hates divorce. <laughs> Leave it to a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the thing about it is yeah. a lot of times when Jesus told parables, he was very specific about what he was saying. And so he, 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 but he did, he didn't say more than he needed to say for the circumstances. And so I just, that's just something I wonder about because God hates divorce. And because when, every time I read about no marriages, no marriage in heaven, it's talking about the people who died before they got to heaven and it's talking about no marriage ceremonies will be performed in heaven. It doesn't address the people who are living and who are married and translated at the time. You no, know, I don't even think, being honest with you, I don't think we're going to have any care about being married or not married. I really don't. I think God is going to be more than enough for all of us. Right, yeah, there'll be no need to say we'll be like the angels. Yeah, I think the term given in marriage can mean you're already married also. Just marriage will cease to exist. And anyway, that's another thing, too. I mean, when I look at Genesis and in that punishment or consequence of uh, sin was that women will be to one husband or be to one. That, that's what I'm going to have to go back and look at it while you guys talking. But yeah, I always thought that being with one husband was a punishment anyway. With what? A punishment, not with me, of course, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just... I'm gonna look it up in King James Version. I'm gonna look it up. Okay. It's always more to study. We're about 140.2. No need of no night or need of rest there. There should be no night, and no one will need or desire repose or rest and Sabbath school lesson talked about rest how needful it is to our bodies so why won't there be any need for rest in heaven we'll be up 24 hours a day for the rest of our lives 
there will be no need because we have immortal bodies and because we'll be refreshed every month by the tree of life. Hmm. Interesting. Anyone else thoughts on that? Make me tired thinking about it, being up 24 hours a day, forever. (laughs) I think that would be wonderful because then you don't have to rest. And so you can just learn and learn and learn and learn and experience and experience and experience and experience. There there would not have to be a break in your learning or your experiences. Yeah. As the light of this, I thought this part was interesting. The light of the sun will be superseded by a radiance, which is not painfully dazzling, yet which has immeasurably surpasses the brightness of our noontide or the noonday sun. So the light will be superseded, superseded by the radiance of God. I thought that was pretty interesting and it won't, you know, hurt our eyes to look at them. Okay. So back to Genesis three, verse 16, this is after Adam and Eve had partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then um, the Lord came looking for them and they recognized that they were, you know, without clothes on. And so they need to cover themselves. But anyway, he caught up with them and, and, um, Unto the woman, he said, he's talking to them and he's issuing out the consequence of their behavior. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So to me, you know, it's kind of like a part of consequence of this is of, uh, there's something happening in this marriage that is a result of sin. I don't know exactly what marriage was going to look like before this, but I'm looking at this as there's something that happened in this marriage that is a result of sin. Well, that could be why it says there's not going to be any births, too, because the woman was, she had to conceive because of what she had done with the children back, you know, when God, when after she sinned. Plus, the goal for conception and having children was to multiply and to you know, um, fill up the earth. That was the whole purpose of that. But I also thought because she had, she had was, was the original one that had taken off the tree that childbirth was given to her and not Adam. I mean, I, I, I thought that, okay. That's just, that's just what I was thinking. Cause you know, when you get childbirth, you know, the children have to go, you know, through that process of coming out of you. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That I think that the, the fact that it's going to happen in, um, in pain may have been the consequence of the sin and stuff. Yeah. But also that part that says you will be um, and your desire should be to your husband and he should rule over thee. Now, that's an interesting thing. I don't understand that. I thought her desire should be for her husband anyway. Why does it have to be said? Well, that's because like, we're that's looking at it the way we look at it. But I think before seeing, it was going to be a little bit different arrangement going on, personally. That's what I think. Well, I think one thing is that God intended for a man and woman to procreate. And he already put the mechanisms within us to do so. After sin, then it was going to be painful childbirth would be painful and mankind would have to sweat and work real hard and the ground would not just easily give up its fruits that you were going to have to sweat and work hard those were some of the results of sin 
So before um, saying it was just a walk in the park. Say that again. Now, before saying it was a walk in the park, and now after saying it's a walk in the desert. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. you want to look at it that way. Uh, one of the things, too, that's going to be a blessing is that there won't be any churches or temples. There are, we'll be right there with God, communing with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and the angels. So there's no need for a church building at all. Uh, right now on earth, people make big issues of how big a temple they can build, how big a church they go to, how many members are in the church. You know, even now, everybody's trying to hurry up and get back into their church building. But in heaven, there won't be a church building or a temple. We'll just be right there communing with God. He's right next to us and won't be a need for a temple. You know, Elder Curl, that's so funny because my sister—that's so funny because my sister called from Indiana, and they opened back up the Adventist Church, but they still have a church out in the grass because you know, in my little small town, when we grew up, when the weather was nice, we always had church outside. And I said, so I kind of laughed when she said, "You know, we uh, we we open church back up, but we still having it outside and enjoying nature." And I was just laughing because I was like, "We're going in our building." I think it's nice to be outside. Mm-hmm. Are we planning an uh, outside service? We don't. We're not planning one, are we? No. A tabernacle praise. No. no. I think that would have been a nice start. Just do a couple outside ones. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anyhow, that's a whole nother issue, but we got to remember the church is not the building anyway. Uh- yeah. So whether we meet outside or out in the wilderness, you know, at some point we'll have to leave the cities and go out into the wilderness and be like the uh, Waldens is and the uh, other folks who were out in the wilderness worshiping the Huguenots and there won't be a building, you know, it'll just be the trees as our canopy and the grass as the carpet. And we'll just be enjoying communion with God. So it's going to get back to that, you know, during the time of the end. So don't get too hung up on getting back in the building. Okay, of course, we know no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no death. Uh, paragraph 141 says, 141.4 says, heaven is a home where sympathy is alive in every heart, expressed in every look, and love reigns there. There are no jarring elements, no discord or contention or war of words. Shouldn't that be how our homes should be? Our homes are supposed to be a little bit of heaven. Shouldn't that be how our homes should be? Amen. But what do we uh, a lot of times have in our homes, even in Christian homes? Uh, Discord and discontent, frustration, aggravation, irritation. Okay, anyone else? And I think, too, when you got when you got kids in the home, you're constantly moving. Sometimes if we don't look, sometimes our parents don't get a break. You know, if you look at the parents, they're coming home from work. They got to get food ready. They got to hear the kids, you know, on on what they didn't like at school or what they learned at school. Then they got to help them with homework. That's a lot for parents. And then they have to make sure they have that time that they're going to allow nothing to mess with them, that they can sit down and have a word of worship each day with their children. Okay. 
Any other comments about that? Even in Christian homes, a lot of time there's a lot of fussing and fighting and people arguing about stuff. That's not a little bit of heaven, in my opinion. You know, but what, what's missing from homes like that? Submission to, to God's will. Submission to God. Okay, anything else? What did, what did a lot say? of need for time management and, and making sure there's time that you can actually spend quality time with your family and the, the people that's in your household with God. Yeah, the question is, what's missing from homes that are full of discord and fussing and fighting? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. We're missing the Holy Spirit. If our homes are supposed to be a little bit like heaven and we know there won't be any fussing and fighting in heaven, that's where our homes should be peaceful so that when you do work hard and you come home from a tough day at the office, you come right into a nice peaceful environment at home. Or when you uh, are out and about in the world, you know, and the world's constantly got something going on, and then you come back to your nice, peaceful home, you know, it makes home a place where you want to be at instead of a place where you rather go somewhere else. Anything else on peacefulness at home? Do you think there's peacefulness in church, in churches? I'm talking about it, uh, church building this time, congregation. It can be. Is there? Okay. Any comments? Everybody scared to answer that one, huh? <laughs> what was your question, Lee? Well, well, you know, I think that what you just said, if there's no peace in the home, then when you come to the church building, you're not coming with peace. You see what I'm saying? You're or maybe you're peace. hoping that that's where you're going to get peace and you may not get it because you didn't bring the peace with you. You brought, you brought this core with you. Hmm. That can be true. So really what Lee is asking us is, is the Holy Spirit in the church? Because if we say that, you know, there's no Holy Spirit in the home when there's no peace in and true, the, um, the gift of God is love, joy, peace. So the, um, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. So if we don't have peace in the home, there's no Holy Spirit there. Then coming to the church, when, as Pessy said, we're not bringing the Spirit of God within us into the church. So, hmm. but I think somebody has some peace somewhere. So, you know, <laughs> that person has peace. Maybe everybody. So else. my question is, if you don't have it in you and you don't have it in your home, how likely are you to even come to church? Well, I think you some know people what? do. I do. I think too. I do. Karen thinks some people come to church um, for various reasons. You know, a diff different reasons. Some people, it's their own only social outlet. You know, some people, their parents. You know, it's like a, it's like rope. They just doing it from rope memory. You know, I do this every week. Doesn't mm -hmm. mean anything, but I'm just doing it. I think. But it's you sad. think a teen teenagers and children don't have a choice. No matter how mad they are, them parents, you go, you're going to drag them into that church no matter what. I think it's sad to admit, too, that the devil sends people to church, too, to cause problems. And there are a lot of people I've heard say, oh, I had to come to church, you know, for a blessing or I had to come to church for some peace. And like has been mentioned, 
you should be bringing the peace with you too. You know, don't always come looking for to get something, come to bring something. And if we truly do have the Holy Spirit in our hearts at home, there'll be peace. And when we come to church, that peace will come with us. Can't speak for everybody else, but for each individual, if we have love in our hearts, wherever we go, that love's going to go with us. So uh, someone had mentioned, don't always come to church looking for a blessing. Bring one with you. And of course, what else is going to be continued in heaven that's observed in earth? Yeah, the Sabbath, the law of God was staying forever and exist in the new earth to all eternity. It says the Sabbath was instituted in Eden before the fall, observed by Adam and Eve and all the heavenly hosts. God rested on the seventh day, blessed it and hallowed it. The Sabbath will never be done away with, but the redeemed saints and the angelic hosts will observe it in honor of the great creator through all eternity. And, you know, many people think the Sabbath is just for Jews, but what should we say about that? Got anything Sabbath was established way before Jewish people came to an existence. Okay. I would just give, I'd give them the book, chapter and verse, Genesis 2, 1, and let them go through 1 through 3. Okay. What do you hope they find out? Truth. They will learn that God... When I give them the book, chapter, and verse, they will be able to read what, what was uh, formed on each day, and they will come to that seventh day, and it, it will read that to remember the, you know, that was God's holy Sabbath day, and what God did, he blessed it, he rested, and he sanctified it. But, so, because sometimes you can say something to a person, and it go in one ear and go out the other, but if they're forced to read it, book, Bible, and verse, and you give it to them, they're forced to read it for themselves. So they can they cannot say you told them anything. This was thus said the said the Lord, and it's in the Bible. Okay, anyone else? What do you say to people who say the Sabbath for Jewish people? Well, the Sabbath was instituted at creation, at the end of creation week. So there were no Jews then. And then the Bible said the Sabbath was made for man. Yeah. Not man for the Sabbath. It was made for everybody. Yeah, a lot of people say uh, there are a lot of blessings that God gave to mankind. They weren't all just for the Jewish people. And sometimes people say uh, um, God gave woman to man too. It wasn't just for Jewish people, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of things, you know. God did, not all of them were specifically for Jewish people. And that's never going to, just like the uh, marks in Christ's uh, feet and hands, it's never going to go away. It's going to be a reminder of what God has done to show his love for mankind. There's a lot going on with that. You know, a lot of times when you talk to other church members, and this is one reason we got to keep studying because nobody knows everything. There are a lot of church members who don't fully understand the blessing of the Sabbath either. And many people still look at it as a burden and a problem and a curse. And they just wish it would be over because they don't understand the full importance of it. So as we continue to study, let's remember not everybody truly wants the Sabbath or enjoys the Sabbath. 
because they don't fully understand the Sabbath. So as we continue to study, we're more able to help others see the beauty and the blessing of the Sabbath. I have, uh, I give, gave out sheets to all the new believers, new uh, members at church, and they give you like a hundred things you can do on the Sabbath because a lot of times people come into church and they say, the only thing we can do is go to church and then go home and go to sleep. But that's not true. Uh, Lakita mentioned God said the Sabbath is a delight, a blessing. Uh, the Sabbath was made for man's enjoyment. And there's so many good, wonderful things we can do. Sabbath doesn't have to be a burden to anyone. But as, as the Lord said, the Sabbath is a delight. When you find out the true importance and the meaning and all the blessings that you can do, it's a real blessing to be able to take a rest. It's a real blessing to remember the creator. It's a real blessing to fellowship with other believers. It's a real blessing to just enjoy peace and quiet sometimes. We can always come aside from the worldliness that we live in every day of the week and just come aside and rest and enjoy nature and enjoy God uh, fellowshipping with us. So, uh, was it say six days of the week God comes to our house and on the Sabbath day we go to his house mm -hmm. anyone else about the Sabbath day what do you guys do on the Sabbath beside church well today I went walking listening to some aeolian music as I walked uh, I watched um uh, other sermons and things on the Sabbath. I mean, because of COVID, I mean, you know, yeah. we're not really out there doing like community service stuff and stuff like that right now. So. Okay. Anyone else? What else do you do on the Sabbath? Sometimes I go out and witness and pass out tracks. That's good. Anybody remember when that was a Sabbath afternoon at church going out to witness? Mm hmm <laughs> Back yeah. in the day, that's what we used to do. Paula, I know you remember going out with Berean. Uh, <laughs> that was like every every other week at church. We would go out. We'd have dinner. We'd go out in the community doing something. And it seems like that is kind of slowed. Maybe it's some of us being in such a big city, but... You know, at top, we used to go out pretty good, you know, going out in the community, which I think that's, if we want to get back together, I think that's a good reason to do it, get back doing out more outreach. But we can also do outreach now while we're not in the out physically in the community, but online outreach, we can still reach out to a lot of people. What else can you do on the Sabbath that you enjoy doing? Lakita, what do you do on the Sabbath? I like to eat Sabbath dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, I think, I, I do. think I take a little bit. I like the study that we do too on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I like that. Sometimes I visit, you know, like family, a family member, not everybody, but just a family member. Today I'm going to have a Bible study with a family member. Um, I guess we might do it through Zoom or on the phone either way. So, but we used to go on hikes on the Sabbath day. We would do that. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe have a picnic outside. 
with your kids, you know. Yeah, everything, you know, there's so many things you can do to have a good time on Sabbath. Have you ever thought of having, uh, going out to the park with your kids and having Sabbath enjoyment, just going out, looking at the trees, walk around the woods or whatever? Uh, have anybody been out to Powder Valley Nature Center? Yeah. Yeah, Powder Valley is a, a beautiful place. Got hiking trails, got some exhibits of wildlife. You know, um, somebody had mentioned earlier that they go out to Creve Core. That was Rose mentioned she goes walking at Creve Core Park out by the lake. It's a lot of fun things you can do. Uh, just this week, we just went out and sat at Forest Park and enjoyed the birds and the trees and the flowers. All kind of good things you can do. So don't think you just limited to sit at home on the Sabbath. And I don't believe when we get to heaven, we're going to be sitting around on the Sabbath either. I think we'll be going to different planets and doing different things and enjoying being with the Lord. So it's, it's a lot going on. And you know, what's interesting, we won't be tired. We won't be sluggish after we eat. We won't have to rest. We won't have to do any of that. So there's so much stuff we could do on the Sabbath. You know, visit yes. other people, other worlds, talk to them, get, tell them our testimony. Um, and just learn from Jesus. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, you know, we can we can start while we're here. You know, we can start testifying to the goodness of the Lord and giving our testimony now. Sometimes I go out on the Sabbath and ride my bike over by the river on the bike trail. It's a little hot sometimes right now, but once it cools down a little more, I go back out. And that's a lot of fun. You know, I go up by the river, you see deer running around, coyotes, all kind of birds and stuff. It's pretty interesting. And then um, oftentimes I'll run into somebody, somebody else riding or walking. It's a good opportunity to talk about the Lord, how he blessed us with this beautiful nature to enjoy. So uh, like Alvina says, she go out witnessing and stuff. It's a good opportunity to witness. Because you can always just tell somebody, wow, how you like this weather? Lead you right into how God blessed us with beautiful weather. Sometimes I go to the uh, the car wash. And I'm like, well, why are you washing your car on the Sabbath? And it got tracks about the Sabbath. Okay. There's plenty of things we can do. But uh, Sabbath is always going to be with us, even through the eternal ages, so. Might as well enjoy it here as well as in the earth made new. And uh, sometimes we get into discussions at church about what you can and can't do. You know, let the Lord lead you on that kind of thing. I'm not the, I'm not the uh, sergeant at arms for what you can do on Sabbath. Let the Lord lead you. Uh, something that you want to do, I might not think I want to do. You know, I remember years ago, some people from California came to visit Northside. And, you know, we always like to ask people what they like to do in California or New York or wherever they're from. And they said, oh, we go surfing on the Sabbath. And I was thinking surfing, <laughs> <laughs> surfing, but that's what they do. Another yeah. person told me he liked to go fishing on Sabbath. I like to fish, but I don't fish on Sabbath. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, let the Lord lead you. Like we talked about what tempts you don't tempt others. What you do might not be something somebody else does. That don't make it right or wrong. It's all about individual relationship, right? 
Amen. Yeah, and it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Yeah. So the fish well, can't be, rest I, from I'm being a, the fish can't rest from being fished. <laughs> well, be I'm gonna be honest. I said yeah. I can remember when Daryl and Jawan was small and they came out of their Sabbath school class and you know we had church and everything. And they were saying, you know, we talked about the animals and all that. So I looked over at my daughter. I said, I got a, I got an idea. I took them to the zoo because you didn't have to pay then. You know, you can just. And they walked around and they were saying, that's what we talked about. I mean, they were just, you know, and like I said, we coming from Indiana. They weren't able to go to a, a big zoo like they have in St. Louis to, you know, to actually see the animals that they had talked about. It just brought a new a, a new reality for them. That, you know, we get to see them. And so they were so excited. <laughs> wow. It's nice. Yeah, I think that what Lee's saying is really, really, really a very important concept because we're supposed to be doing what God tells us to do and not what everybody else. And some people will say, oh, you're not supposed to be going to the zoo, blah, blah, blah. You know? Oh, yeah, I caught it. I caught it real good <laughs> well, by some members. But, you know, that's not what God told you to do. It's left up to you. You know, um, there may be a need for you to change a car tire on the Sabbath. You know, it might not be your car tire. But I think that uh, Karen just said it's good to do good on the Sabbath day. You know, it's, it's um, we can't just let other people tell us how to serve God. You have to really, that's what just having a relationship with God is all about. You just have to be, like somebody might say, Karen just said, uh, oh, we'll probably fly to other worlds and talk to the other uh, people, other beings on different planets. Well, somebody might say, well, we shouldn't be flying on the Sabbath. That's your problem. That's your issue. That's not, you know, the issue that God has you know, put in Karen's mind. So we have to just really leave other people alone, start casting out the judgments on how they observe the Sabbath and, you know, really try to stay away from that. There are some things that are specific, you know, we're not supposed to do work and um, like have other, people, have other people working and stuff for us and everything. So there are some guidelines, but those guidelines you have to be prayerful and ask the Lord what to do. Yeah, remember that principles, not exact not numerical number of things you can and can't do. They're principles mm -hmm. to follow because mm -hmm. just like buying and selling on Sabbath, if your mom's having a heart attack, you're going to go get her some medicine, right? Mm -hmm. That just makes sense. So yeah, you're going to take her to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So again, it's principles. And think about the Jewish people had thousands upon thousands of laws and rules and regulations they put on the Sabbath. God never put all that on the Sabbath. That was the, the people mm -hmm. doing that. Yeah, made Sabbath it a burden. was supposed to be a delight. Yeah, yeah and they made it a burden. Um, you know, I think that's why people keep, you know, want to use that as that was the Jewish uh, Sabbath. And, and you're like, you're saying that because of what like, I, and I still say people know there's a, there are people that do know the Sabbath is really the Sabbath, the, the seventh day Sabbath. But to get out of, you know, the, uh, what they really you don't want to do, they'll say, oh, that was the Jewish Sabbath. And, and, and then they'll begin to tell you, and this is what the Jews did. And I'm like, well, if you knew that much about uh, the Jews and the Sabbath, then you knew they were, they were not at creation. But yeah. if you listen to people, they'll, they'll, they'll tell off on themselves when they start telling you all this stuff that the Jewish people was doing on the Sabbath. And I'm like, so you know about the Sabbath, but you knew it wasn't the Jewish Sabbath because it, it, it was 
done at the foundation of, but like I said, they come up with, and they know a whole bunch of what was said and what was done back in those times, and I just be like, Lord, you just lead them in the right way, because at least they're talking about the Sabbath, and they're talking about what the Jews did. Yeah, that's true. They're taking a step, and that's a blessing. Just like you took the kids to the zoo, it gave them a step towards a closer walk with the Lord. As we always say in our class, it's about relationship between you and Christ. It's not, you know, the relationship we have as church members is fine, and that's terrific, but the real relationship has to be between us and Christ, and then he'll lead us into whichever way we should walk in terms of things we do or don't do. But enjoy the Sabbath. It's a blessing, you know. Uh, you shouldn't, shouldn't look at the, uh, you know, hoping the Sabbath hurry up, uh, hoping the Sabbath delay is coming, and then hoping it's over. That's not a good attitude. You're not really accepting the blessing that it is, you know. Especially if you got, like, work real hard, 80 hours, 80 hours a week at work, you're looking for a break, right? You're looking for a day of rest. And God already knew that. So that's why he gave us the Sabbath to take time to take a break, come aside and rest and enjoy what he's given us. Any other thoughts on that? We're going to wind up. Uh, we'll, we'll carry on in, at the next time at paragraph 143.1. Paragraph 143.1, where it says communion with the faithful of all ages. That's where we'll start uh, next time we meet. So, Karen, what what page are we on in testimonies? Uh, let me pull it up. So, let's see here. Next week we will be on. Wait a minute, I'm getting there. When? <sighs> we will be in chapter eighty six of. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Paragraph 502.2. Okay, Chapter 86, Paragraph 502.2. Mm -hmm. All right. Appreciate everybody coming to spend a few minutes with us, fellowship and learning more about what God has prepared for us. Again, there's always more room for study. And anytime you study something extra and want to bring it to the class, be, uh, feel free because we all would appreciate it. Let us uh, bow our heads for prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for a beautiful and enjoyable time fellowshipping and learning more about what you have prepared for us, Lord. It's uh, our aim and our goal to be ready and waiting when you return, dear Father, so that we can spend eternity with thee in the glorious heaven that you have prepared for us and the earth made new. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. 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 amen.